But first, does Chicago have a park problem? Rick Weber was walking along the vast plaza at Buckingham Fountain, and he thought, it's just so empty. That got him wondering, why isn't there anywhere to sit? Where are the tables, the coffee shacks, or the food stalls? Now, he sent a tweet, and it went sort of viral. Lots of Chicagoans chimed in with strong feelings, and lurking underneath were fears about safety and violence just a week after a teenager died in a shooting at Millennium Park. Now, it's getting warmer, the time of year that Chicagoans start getting out and enjoying the parks. So we are opening up the phones today. What do you think of Chicago's public plazas and parks? Buckingham Fountain and beyond. Do you wish that there was more seating by the bean? Do you want to see more food stalls nearby, or are you just happy with the way things look? And with us right now is Rick Weber, who posted that tweet and started all of this conversation. Hi, Rick. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning, everyone. Also with us is Taylor Moore, a Chicago-based freelance journalist. Hi, Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Rick, you tweeted this picture near Buckingham Fountain. It shows a lot of the empty, bricked plaza all around the fountain. Why'd you do that? Um, you know, I, it was, you know, it was, it was a relatively bleak day, but it was, you know, it was a weekday. It was, you know, 430 in the afternoon. And um, I, I live in Albany Park, so it's, it's a good, you know, 40 minute hoof on the train to, to get down there. And, you know, I grabbed a coffee on the way and, you know, finished it and <clears throat> kind of settled in and um, was just kind of, you know, watching some of the people that were there milling about and was just kind of, Noticing like a very similar pattern where, you know, people were, were just sort of wandering around, like looking for something to do. They kind of take their photo by the fountain and then they leave. And mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really was you know lingering for more than a few minutes uh, to get this this shot. Um, the vendors were closed and I was, you know, I, I was feeling hungry and, and a little woozy. And I was just thinking like, you know, it'd be so great to like make an, a, a whole afternoon out of, out of this experience next yeah. to this beautiful fountain with this iconic view, you know, this just, you know, like world-class view, um, you know, to see, to just, to have, you know, tables and chairs and umbrellas and, and food options and, you know, different vendors or, or entertainments, um, et cetera, you know, and there are a, a couple of vendors there currently, um, you know, there's a Bucks bar and then there's like a little pizza pastry place. Mm-hmm that were both closed. Um, you know, there was like a hot dog, uh, stand, the, the relish hot dog stand, uh, uh, kind of in the park there on your way. That was also closed. And I also, I, I mean, I, I own a, I own a little cocktail bar in, in Albany park as well called, uh, bouquet. And I, I work in hospitality. I have a, I have a education background in, in urban planning. Um, but I work in hospitality. And so I'm always kind of thinking about hospitality I see. and yeah. I was really thinking about like, what do visitors to the city think of when they when they like when they get out to this this you know kind of iconic world-class site um and there's nothing there for them you know yeah and uh, you tagged chicago park district in your tweet did you expect it to get such a big response rick uh you know i really was i I did not um you know i don't have a lot of twitter followers um at all and, and it was just kind of a a random observation um so I, I was I was very surprised that it, it it took off. But I think it's it's it was also I mean it was really nice to see how people how like how engaged people were, how passionate people feel about our, our public spaces. Um, I mean you know like I said I mean we we have this iconic world class city. I mean people yeah. visit us you know from all over the world. Um, not every city has you know a a Picasso to walk by or a Chagall you know mosaic or a 
Joie Miro sculpture. And, you know, I think it's, 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 these spaces are important to us. They should be, we should be invested in them. We should be guarding them. We should be talking about them. And I think that, that it's, you know, cities aren't stuck in, in a bottle, you know, like they they change, they grow, they evolve and they should. Right. Um, I think, you know, we, we don't want a static, undynamic city. Um, And so I think it's important to have these conversations about, about, revisiting yeah. how we approach these these public spaces. Well, well, of the people who were engaged with your tweet, it was Taylor, right? Taylor, you you weighed in on the topic as well, and you, you suggested that Chicago could look more like Paris. What did you mean by that? Yeah, um, so when Rick had tweet, tweeted that, um, um, he had included a photo of the you know surrounding area of Buckingham Fountain looking very empty. And um, when he mentioned um, that you know, if this could look like um, like Europe, um, that really struck a nerve for me because um, I didn't know I could want that of um, a Chicago park because um, it just um, this past November I had gone on vacation to Paris. Um, and, you know, the the public gardens, um, I think the, the picture I had, uh, posted was of the, the Tuileries. Um, it was so gorgeous. Um, and there, you know, there, there were so many people just milling about, um, enjoying the, the beautiful weather, enjoying the fountain. Um, there are hundreds of these green green um, metal chairs surrounded mm-hmm. um, by the fountain. Um, these were intentionally introduced by the the French government in the 20s, um, and I think those have been the the original chairs for perhaps 100 years. Um, and it, it really shows how Paris prioritizes uh, public space and prioritizes um, this communal sense of ownership over the city, um, which I don't think is um, always um, apparent or always encouraged in in Chicago. Yeah. Well, what stood out to you among the responses that you got, Rick? Because I know that there were some really negative ones in there as well. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't expect the, um, uh, you know, dining, like like having a meal and a a coffee next to a beautiful fountain would be a, a controversial topic um yeah. I, I think you know there there were a lot of i mean it's it's chicago twitter so i think that there were a lot of you know similar themes or you know reasons why we can't have nice things i think you know the crime definitely popped up a lot or, or city corruption um i think the um there was there was a lot of traction with you know things like the weather um and i think like native chicagoans you know like not wanting something like this which didn't really get expanded on, I think, as much as I would have liked to have heard. And I think it goes back to this idea that, you know, it's, it's, it's about this is supposed to be the front porch of Chicago. Right. And so, like, what what sort of hospitality do we extend not only to our own citizens, but the people that are visiting here? Yeah. Like, like what 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 image do we want people to walk away from, you know, yeah. Chicago with? Um, I think that uh, if I were the Chicago Parks Department, I think the one the one response that I found the most alarming was that Grant Park sucks. And I think that, you know, like a lot of people are just like, you know, man, that's just like a place for Lollapalooza, um, that it's it's kind of isolated from, you know, the loop and, and the rest of the city. And, and I mean, and, and as I was walking through the park, like I was walk, um, walking past the, uh, like, little, like, Lincoln statue pavilion area. And, you know, it was it definitely felt yeah. unkept. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was very empty. There was, you know, the grass hadn't been mowed recently. The, a lot of the walkways were in, in disrepair. Um, so I think that there was, 
there were a lot of people that were just like, I don't go to Grant Park. I never go there. Like, I, I don't spend money there. I don't spend time there. Yeah. Um, there were, you know, there were some people that were like, I, I have visitors that come in from out of town that want to go there. And I don't like, I don't enjoy taking them there. And I think that's that's a huge problem for this this you know. It is, yeah. Great, great point. Let, let's let's hear what uh, someone else thinks here. Christina's calling from Lakeview. Hi, Christina. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Thank you. Well, first, I just want to endorse the issue about we could make our city look a lot more like a European city if we want to be really world uh, world class. Um, I I have questions about, uh, you know, um, trying to increase safety by the present of po- presence of police officers, because that's oppressive to those of us who want to just relax and enjoy that space. Um, I also um, feel that Grant Park is not something that draws me. I'm down in the loop all the time, but I'm not drawn to come there because I agree with the person that said it's like Lollapalooza. And it seems like it's a space for big crowds and not for someone like me. It needs more seating. It needs to be, you know, the more that people are in a place and take over the place in a positive way, there's so much research that supports that that is what makes things safe. Mm-hmm. And for us to be reactionary because we had um, gun, uh, you know, we had that shooting. I mean, my heavens, we're going to let one shooting change our policy that curfew is there it's unenforceable period it's not going to be enforceable and to draw the police officers from other areas to do that i mean there's going to be violence between the police officers because the people are going to push back and they are going to be carrying guns and um i think if we abandon that space i think we're just going to create more crime thanks for your call christina appreciate that um Taylor, weigh in here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for your, your comment, Christina. Um, no, I would agree with you. Um, I think um, the, you know, you know, talking about the um, the, the shooting death that happened of the, the 16-year-old last week and the now the um, the curfew on minors in, in Millennium Park, it really calls into question um, who um, public parks and public space is, is for. Um, there are... Um, exceptions to um, the the rule for teens going to ticketed events, um, including large festivals, um, including uh, Mollapalooza, you know, which, which has, you know, a lot of um, suburban teens coming in from the suburbs. Um, I think it calls into question um, which teens we want in the parks. And, um, you know, it begs the question um, um, who should be feeling safe in um, yeah. our public parks. Rick, uh, I'll give you the last word here. What more do you want to see? I mean, clearly you have stirred up a very interesting discussion here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's it's. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with with the the comments here about you know crime concerns and not letting that override. I think you know are the the wide possibilities for these spaces, right? And um, I think that it's 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 not a reason to just sort of you know, unilaterally, like, lay down any cool ideas or approaches that we have to these these very public, very important spaces to us. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, you know, overall, I think it's just about having having a broader conversation about an openness to vision. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, like, not to send too boilerplate about it, but, you know, just getting people involved and, you know, having people show up for those those parks meetings and, just really advocating for their city as much as possible, yeah. you know, and, and I think that that 
even outside of the parks district, like looking at our streets and our sidewalks. I mean, those those are public spaces, right? And, you know, maybe having more pedestrians, more, you know, bike safety, um, you know, more. I, I, I was in Turkey last year and you wouldn't believe the street life in these these pedestrianized streets um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, that they're you know, open all night long, like department stores. You can go buy clothes at two o'clock in the morning um, and it's just so full of life. And very different. And yeah. Very different. And, yeah. it, and it's, it really just speaks to our, our, you know, how we just approach all public space in the city. I think. That's Chicagoan Rick Weber and Chicago freelance journalist Taylor Moore. Thank you both for coming on the show and, of course, for starting this conversation. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Let's get back into our conversation about public spaces in Chicago. Now, before the break, we checked in with two Chicagoans who sounded off on a debate that took off on social media. Joining us now is Emily Tallon, a professor of urbanism at the University of Chicago. Hi, Professor. Welcome to Reset. Hi there. And a reminder, we want to hear from you, too. Tell us, how do you feel about Chicago's public parks and plazas? Do you want to see more amenities, fewer? Are they in good shape or do you think they're underused? Do you feel safe walking around public spaces like Buckingham Fountain? Professor Tallon, the conversation started off at Buckingham Fountain in Grant Grant Park. This is actually one of the biggest fountains in the world, but its plaza is still empty a lot of the time. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I notice that all the time walking by. I mean, you have to you have to wonder who's really got a sense of ownership about this park. You know, who's who's it really for? Who cares about it? Is it just tourists who are visiting? Is it, you know, locals? There's no kind of immediate constituency for that park um, because who's living around it? And more importantly, who's really had a voice in creating that park? Yeah, Um, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And and I want to be clear, you know, we we want to acknowledge that this city does take pride in and invest in its public spaces. We love the parks here in Chicago, but these are just a few ideas as as we keep the conversation rolling here on how to just take things to the next level. Let's uh, go to the phones now. Jennifer from Beverly has been standing by. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to Reset. Hi, how are you? Doing well. What do you think? So I have lived in Chicago all of my life. I'm African-American. And I remember when there was a ton of things going on in Grant Park. And so it has been through the leadership of Daly, Mayor Daly, former Mayor Daly, the second one, uh, when he disinvested in Grant Park to focus on the development of Millennium Park and the Bean. And then Rahm Emanuel disinvested in Grant Park to focus on Lollapalooza. And so there was a time in the 80s and the 90s when I always invited all of my friends to come to Grant Park. Mm-hmm. We had Venetian night. Uh, we had weekly concerts at the Grant Park. Um, the 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 I, I don't know the name, but the stage there in Grant Park. And there were vendors. Church's Chicken was a vendor at yeah. Buckingham Fountain. And as a teenager, I'm a I'm a black I was a black teenager, and there's a conversation about black curfew and all that stuff and safety but when I was in high school downtown was the place to go it was welcoming yeah it was it was where you went for dates when you wanted to hang out with your friends you want to invite them to come downtown because it was nice there was fireworks every week and yeah all I'm seeing is them pulling 
out all the things that was great. I just found out that the Taste of Chicago is, what, three days? When the Taste of Chicago used to be 10 days, and it was huge, and it was fun, and it had fireworks downtown, yeah. and Rahm Emanuel pulled that back. So the things that we're seeing is not – is used to be there under Harold Washington. He really made downtown and Grant Park with the Blues Fest, the Jazz yeah. Fest, the Gospel Fest festive. I it hear you. Great. We had summer dance in Grant Park where people would come and dance to house music, to country music, to salsa. Sounds like a great you, time, but not 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 so much the case. Back? Yeah, not so much the case anymore. Um, Professor, what do you think about what Jennifer's saying here? I, I wonder how you design a public place that people actually want to stay in and not just walk through like what's been happening lately, making it more of a welcoming space like what Jennifer's describing. Yeah, that's an amazing historical perspective. Right. It sounds like a fabulous time. Yeah, yeah. That uh, makes me very sad. You know, what's happened? Um, Is this a result of um, corporate interests wanting to kind of you know, make everything kind of whitewashed and, and you know, increase police presence and just um, have more control over the space as opposed to letting people um, do what they want to do. So, you know, the number one thing about what makes a great park or public place is that the people who use it have a role in creating it and designing it and programming it and managing it. I mean, that's that's the holy grail of the best kind of placemaking. Um, and so, you know, the fact is that places like Grant Park were not part of a community um, empowered, you know, process of designing the space. So you're dealing with something very, very different. Um, but I, I find it really heartening that it was um, previously um, something a lot more used. It yeah. had sociability. It had lots of users and uses and activities. It was comforting um, to, to go there. Um, so you want to think about access to the park. You want to think about linkages to surrounding spaces. Mm-hmm. You want to... What about seating? Sure seating is important. Oh, yeah. Seating. You know, it, it, do you, you know, you have to ask yourself, this is what I tell my students, the number one thing, thinking about designing a public place, do you want, do you yourself want to go hang out there? And if so, why? And if not, why not? And often they say, well, there's nowhere to sit. There are no chairs. You know, where would where could I just hang out? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if um, in our rush to to sort of try to make places safer because of a perception of criminal activity, if we've kind of gotten rid of those hangout spaces and those that ability to linger. Um, I don't know that that may be what's happened. Let's jump back to the phones here. Steve in Hyde Park has been waiting. Hi, Steve. Hi. Um, thanks for having this conversation. I think it's it's very important. I have a couple of ideas. One is why couldn't the city encourage more food trucks to be um, present in the parks? And then they could provide tables and chairs and independent small business vendors and, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurs could, could uh, thrive and take advantage of of the city uh, park access. That's a good question. The other idea I had is if they needed police presence, if that's a mandatory thing, why not use the the uh, cops on bicycles or horseback? I think that they're much more approachable, friendly, um, and that may be self-selecting. It may be officers that do that work or opt for those 
patrols are more outgoing and friendly people, but that would also be a good public face for Mm -hmm. the city and the parks and provide some security if needed. Good point, Steve. Uh, Professor Talon, I'm going to put Steve's first question to you, because this is another thing that did come up a lot in that thread on, on Twitter was was food, food options, right? Steve asked about food trucks. What's the history there of Chicago allowing food vendors in public spaces? Yeah, I feel like uh, Chicago has been really behind the curve on allowing uh, food trucks and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And, And you go to other cities and there's just so many food vendors and, you know, why, why is that the case? Um, I actually don't have an answer for that, but I, I just know that this has been brought up many, many times mm-hmm. and why the city isn't responding. It, it's probably having to do with perceptions about lack of safety, lack of, you know, control over, you know, whoever has access to public space. There have been cities um, getting into lots of legal troubles over, you know, who has the right to the sidewalk and, you know, um, encroachment of various kinds, but they've worked it out. You know, these, mm-hmm. these issues are difficult, but you need to sit down at the table with everyone and work it out and, you know, allow food vending to happen. Let's hear from Gregory in Rogers Park. Hi, Gregory. Good morning or afternoon, rather. And based on my experience of living in London, uh, in Mayfair, just across from Hyde Park in 1982-83, I think as a native Chicagoan that the Bobby booth and the Bobby on foot is there's nothing like the police officer on foot patrol, not in a squad car parked in the middle of Michigan Avenue with the strobe lights going to show police presence. Even the horse is a special occasion kind of presence. The bicyclist is moving. We want him rooted and stationed in the community Mm -hmm. as part of the landscape. And when you put them in a heated booth during the winter, that's also air conditioned in the summer it makes them part a kind of a classy presentation of them as an integral part of the landscape and they are every two blocks or so and it needs to be in the entire downtown zone because this is a crisis and an emergency until we invest in grammar school and high school and employment in the neighborhoods we're going to have a problem and we're going to lose tourism we're going to lose conventions and corporations so it's a very very serious situation we have on our hands right now and we need to take back the downtown in a classy way with the officers on foot patrol with their own dedicated booths. Interesting. Thank you, Gregory, for your call. Um, Professor Gregory brings up uh, London style booths where, you know, police can sort of have these air conditioning, uh, air conditioned booths to, uh, you know, protect them while they uh, patrol, you know, on foot. Um, London, in in Gregory's comment in our segment before, when I talked with freelance journalist Taylor Moore, she suggested Chicago could make its public spaces look more like Paris. You know, interestingly, in the 90s, then-Mayor Richard Daley traveled to Paris and actually came back with these grand plans, you know, building lighting and, and flower plantings on Michigan Avenue. But if we really wanted to borrow ideas from France, what could he have brought back instead, you think? (laughs) <laughs> well, what's interesting about that is, you know, we are we already have done that. You know, Daniel Burnham in the 19th century did go to Paris and did uh, look at all the Beaux-Arts classicism going on, and he brought it back to Chicago, and and that was the whole idea. 
um, behind his 1909 plan, and you know, parts of it show up in Grant Park. Um, Look, we need all kinds of creative ideas for these problems. I, I, you know, boots on the ground of, you know, police on horses and food vendors, you know, bring it all on. But let's have a process whereby we can get people engaged in figuring out what to do about park design, about public space design in general. And I think what is lacking is the right process for getting that engagement, getting mm -hmm. that input, getting the public participating in it. Um, and I think Chicago, I don't, I don't exactly know why, but it really is behind the curve. We don't have neighborhood planning. I know that that's talked about all the time, um, but I have been studying the, the um, situation with neighborhood planning in Chicago, and it's very reactive. Yeah. It's, you know, here's a development, let's organize against it, you know, rather than a positive, proactive, here's our vision for the way neighborhoods should be, here's our vision for public spaces um and moving forward on that in a collaborative way yeah and it's all about the process to me well you, you mentioned daniel burnham who's the architect who designed um chicago's 1893 world's fair and, and much of the city um burnham and other people planning these public spaces from the top down they were upper class right and at the same time the city had labor strikes and tenement housing and poverty especially among immigrants here. So how did that context, you think, affect what the planners were trying to do and how they actually saw these public spaces? Yeah, I mean, American public parks were conceptualized, built, and managed by upper middle-class white males. And often it was to protect their white women and children. So, so that's a legacy there um, that we're living with. I think that they're... I love the caller who talk, who is African-American who talked about going downtown and, and she felt welcome and, and included. And, and that's wonderful that we've moved on um, beyond that. But, but through a sort of combination of, of policing and social pressure, um, you know, there are ways to sort of ensure certain social practices um, that are about control. And I think we need to really make sure that we're making everyone feel included mm -hmm. in park space. Let's hear from Damien in Logan Square. Hi, Damien. Hi, how are you? Doing well. What Thank are you your thoughts? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Um, this conversation is very vast. You know, if we talk about uh, just access to parks, I mean, I'm 50 years of age. Um, Grant Park meant a lot of different things to different people over the time. Um, I think when I was a kid, I remember seeing lots of police officers on, on uh, horses back at that point in time. It was just part of the experience. Um, as far as the access... You know, I think uh, with the person speaking as far as the, the programming or whatnot or is, has to be uh, addressed. But I think just that some people don't feel welcome in all different spaces in the city. Um, and I think it's just the education that needs to be uh, put out there for what those parks were designed for. Mm -hmm. And even if we go back to Olmsted or even to uh, Burnham, you know, in terms of what we've had having those parks over a period of time, I'm not sure if they had even had the idea that these parks would still exist, but they're here. And we need to find a way to... Uh, continue the program even back to Chicago Fest or even the, the 20 days of, of, um, of Tasha Chicago and the different events that used to happen week and weekend uh, through the park. You know, those people that are even new transplants to the city mm -hmm. don't have that history to understand what the park was utilized before. They only know the last 15 years. So trying to find ways to uh, regenerate uh, what the park 
can be or what the parks can be. I, I've been in, I grew up in Lincoln Park. I live in Logan Square the last 20 years. Yeah. And obviously the gentrification is something to maybe changes how people um, navigate these places. Mm-hmm. But access um, needs to be for everyone. Yeah. Safety is another thing. I, I, I manage a large restaurant in the city. Um, and as far as people not feeling safe in the city is, is an issue. Yeah. And you have to find a way to, um, uh, how should I say, not single out any particular group, but there has to be something done to have those. Um, yeah, safety is a citywide thing. Support. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Damien. Appreciate your call. Professor, did you want to give us a final thought here before we wrap? Yeah, um, I'll just reiterate that um, all of these problems that we're seeing with parks and, and public spaces in general Um, There are solutions um, that are being tried all over the place. We need to be creative. We need to have a really good conversation about it. And we need to make sure that people have input um, for what is going to be done to solve our issues. That is Emily Talon, Professor of Urbanism at the University of Chicago. Thank you so much, Professor. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.